This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. The TalkSport Fan Network is proudly supported by McDelivery, bringing you the food you love. McDelivery brings a top-tier lineup of food right to your door. No matter the results, you'll always be winning with McDelivery. Order now on the McDonald's app and you'll get rewards points delivered too. So that ordering today means some tasty rewards for tomorrow. Only via app at participating restaurants. 18 plus rewards registration required. Points only on menu items, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. It's Christmas! It's the preview show! It's the No Name Ever Podcast. Hello and welcome to the very special Christmas edition of the preview show brought to you by the No Name Never Podcast. I am joined this week by a double bill. Um, we decided to merge our shows this week because we had a preview show for the Leeds United game. We had a analysis show to look at the Wolves victory. And we thought, you know, it's Christmas. Everybody's got commitments. Everybody's got families. People just want to rattle through these podcasts. So we decided to join together the almighty forces that are Tom Claret and I call him Tom Claret. That's his Twitter name. Tom Whittaker and Dave Statman Roberts for a mashup of the analysis show and the preview show. Dave, welcome. Hello, Natalie. And Tom, welcome to the preview show, making your debut. Cheers, yeah, very excited to be here. It's like a little glimpse behind the curtain. <laughs> it's chaotic. Um, Tom, I really do need to stop calling you by your Twitter handle. Because uh, you, every time I see you, it's just Tom Claret, and that's what you're famous for. And I, I do forget sometimes that's not your actual surname. It's, it's fine, I'll answer to anything, don't worry. <laughs> or, or, or Tom, Tom, you could just change your name by deed, Paul, make it easier. <laughs> yeah, that would make that would be easier, wouldn't it? Yeah, I'll yeah. do that. I'll do that. I mean, I don't like to say I'm demanding or anything, but you know, just changing your name by Depot just to make my life easier. I mean, it'd be, it would be appreciated, but it's probably a bit excessive. Um, so, guys, uh, we're going to start off this week by uh, once we've got the quiz question out of the way from last week, we're going to dive straight into the analysis of the Wolves game, and we'll we'll have a quick look about what happened in that fantastic victory at home against Wolverhampton Wanderers, um, and then we'll move on the second half of the show to look at the Leeds preview, and then that. We'll probably follow the same format then as the preview show. We'll have a look at the Fantasy Football League and Dave will set us a quiz question for next week. So before we dive into the Wolves game, Dave, you set our listeners a quiz question last week, which was Burnley beat Wolves at Turf Moor in the 2008-2009 promotion season. But which Burnley player scored the only goal of the game in the 1-0 win? What was the answer? The correct answer was uh, Chris McCann. He scored fairly early on in that game, and uh, yeah, he got the goal, and he was the uh, the goal scorer. He was the answer to our question. Excellent. So, how many correct answers did we get this week? Uh, we had quite a few. We had uh, uh, Chris uh, Swarbrick on email got in touch. He had the right answer. Uh, David Entwistle. Uh, we had Chris the Claret and B W Williams Jones on Twitter, and also John Robertson, who always seems to get the quiz question right. I know because he is best friends with Google. Um, Tom, you usually send us a correct answer. I can't remember whether you posted in our group actually this time. I think I forgot to check. Did you get this one? No, I got it wrong. I said uh, Martin Patterson. I think I was thinking of Sheffield United. Oh, you did. I was gutted as well because oh. used to love Chris McCann, like my favourite player from that era, and I didn't get it. Oh. Maybe better luck this week. He was until I fell out with him because he jumped ship and left us. You know what I'm like, I'm very bitter. Once once people wrong us, that's it. They're written off in my world. Um, well, <laughs> you'll be glad to know that Dave's going to be setting you a very special... Is it festive, Dave, this week's quiz question? It's or is not it... at all festive, but it's um, a little bit different. Oh, OK. Well, that'll do. Uh, <laughs> young Dave is going to be setting us our Christmas quiz answer. So do make sure you stay tuned until the end of the show, where we'll reveal what your homework is for this week. <laughs> So, 
Let's dive into the analysis of a fantastic home 2-1 win against Wolverhampton Wanderers on Monday, was it now? I forget what day of the week it is. Um, Taking the Clarets out of the bottom three, up to 16th in the table, and probably, Tom, I think it's fair to say, the best performance of the season so far? Yeah, I think prior to this, it was the Everton game. I think that was the best performance um, because we had more attacking thrust in that game than any previously, and I think we took that on to another level. Scored two goals, which we haven't done very often this season. We looked like we, could, we had more in us as well. Could have easily been 3 or 4 before Wolves got that penalty near the end. Uh, definitely the most comprehensive performance front to back this season, I would say. And we've beaten a very good team, so it had to be. So, yeah, re- really pleasing. Really moving in the right direction performance-wise. Yeah. What What do you think? What What do you think turned? I mean, we've been showing some defensive resilience for a few weeks now, and I think I'd, I'd mentioned this on one of the podcast podcasts before that. You know, Dyche tends to do this, doesn't he? When the chips are down and he's, it's all backs against the wall, he tends to get defensive, doesn't he? And, and shut up shop from the back to make sure we, we do the basics right. But then that culminated in the Arsenal game where there was just nothing happening up front. Um, and he, he acknowledged that in his post match interview and said that they were going to work on that. And it just seemed to all click all of a sudden. Can you maybe put your finger on exactly what they did differently? Like, what what was the difference? Uh, a couple of things for me. I think one thing is, I know a lot of fans were, were quite uh, disappointed when they saw Barnes's name on the team sheet ahead of Rodriguez. After, I, I didn't think Rodriguez has been very effective the last few games. He didn't show me a lot against Arsenal or Villa, especially not the Villa game. So, And to me, Barnes has done all right when he's come off the bench the last few games. So I, I thought he was worthy of, a, of an opportunity and he took it really well. You know, he, was, he put himself about a lot, got in good positions, obviously got that big goal as well. So I think that did make a difference. I think we had a bit more up front with Barnes playing. Um, and I think the other thing is perhaps a bit more clinical and, and scoring at the right times as well. So the big thing that stood out to me was obviously we've nicked ahead in that first half. The first goal is always a big one in the Wolves game because it's always such a tightly fought affair. Um, it was a great ball from Taylor. And obviously, as I say, Barnes getting the goal. But I think the thing for me was um, in the past maybe, and especially if the confidence was a little bit lower, maybe if we're still on one, two points, we wouldn't have been as aggressive as we were at the start of the second half. So the start of the second half, we really tore into them. We really put them on the back foot. I don't think Wolves are expecting us to do it. It's not something we've seen a lot of this season, but Dyche has clearly told them at half time, make sure you get up, get at them, and try and get a goal early in the second half. Uh, Brown away at the bar just before we scored, and then obviously Wood got the goal. And uh, and I think it was that really kind of aggressive, fast start to the second half that we haven't seen a lot of this season that really made the difference because that second goal really was a killer. Uh, I think, as I famously said in the in the chat with about 10 minutes to go, Wolves are definitely not going to get two goals here. And about a minute later, they've got a penalty and they've pulled one oh back. Oh, my God. <laughs> the amount of grief what? we gave you in our chat. Everyone was like, what are you saying? Then the goal came and it was like, I was I was fully prepared, Tom, to just fall out with you for the rest of the night. I was like, if we'd have conceded a second one, I don't think I could have brought myself to speak to you for the rest of the night. Um <laughs> Dave, I think interesting, and I think this is quite right. That the biggest talking point was the the preemptive groans on across social media when it was announced that it was Wooden Barnes up front. Um, I'm I'm a big girl, and I accept fully um, my responsibility for my own opinions. Um, I was one of those people. I didn't necessarily voice it on social media, but when I saw Wooden Barnes, I did have a bit of a ugh, just because they aren't my favourite strike partnership. I much preferred Wood with Jay, um, but as Tom Riley put out, Jay's been off the boil a bit for a couple of games. Um, so, as, but as well as the, that great performance by. Ashley Barnes, which I've got to say did take him a little while to get into the game, actually. It took him a good 15, 20 minutes. But I think the other thing that changed things for me as well were a couple of other two outstanding performances that I want to mention. One of them being Josh Brownhill and the other one being Charlie Taylor. Um, Those two performances, I think, particularly, were just just real class on the night and really helped us to elevate into a, a much stronger performance, I think, than just a team unit that we usually are. Uh, yeah, they did. I thought they uh, they both played well. I thought Dwight had a decent game as well, um, and, and we've kind of given ourselves um, a, a basis to build on. I think the fact that the uh, back five now settled, uh, we're keeping clean sheets. Obviously, we didn't quite get a clean sheet at the end with the penalty being conceded, but we're very tight at the back. And uh, that's kind of given us a, a, a platform to build on. And I think the other players now are kind of getting used to that and being able to express themselves a little bit more. I think Tom hit the nail on the head in terms of the way we came out in the second half was um, 
something we haven't really seen this season. We weren't in a position in other games to be confident enough to do that and to come out the way we did, take the game to Wolves in the second half and get that second goal. Um, that was pivotal in the end in terms of getting us the result. So, yeah, very much so. A really good performance. Um, as you say, Charlie Taylor, uh, he made the goal and had a good all-round game. And, uh, yeah, Josh Brownell just seems to get better game on game to me. To me. I think he's, uh, he's uh, quite a player and he's got a lot to come as well. Yeah, definitely. Um, Tom, talking about obviously Charlie Taylor for me was was a standout man of the match. I think you you and I both agreed on this in in, in our group chat as well. Um, and I think it was interesting to hear Dyche talk about Charlie Taylor and say that he felt a little frustrated that he thought that he could attack better at times. Um, I think he said that he was he's a really good athlete and he can he can see the picture better in a, in a, in a sorry quicker in an attacking format. That came as quite a surprise to me because I think I'd always assumed that. Charlie Taylor's reluctance to get forward sometimes was dice driven and not Charlie Taylor driven. But it's encouraging to hear Dice wanting to push his fullbacks forward and try and create those chances. Do, I mean, do you think that will still maintain if we do get some stronger wingers? Maybe. I think that's that feeds into what we were saying earlier as well about the fact that we haven't quite been as aggressive or kind of front facing this season. You know, especially when you've you've got players missing at the start, the confidence takes a hit. Uh, perhaps you are more inclined if you're Charlie Taylor not to cross the halfway line as much, not to bomb on behind the wing, beyond the winger, because you're worried about preserving your you know your your point or whatever. So that's perhaps part of it. Now that we've got a bit more confidence, we've got a bit more attacking thrust in the side. We'll see the best of him because he's he's been released in that way. I think yeah. the point about which winger we get as well will be will be interesting because I think one criticism you can make of McNeil is that he doesn't perhaps track back as much as he could obviously you know he's the main creative outlet so I'm not suggesting that he should be flogging himself up and down the touchline 90 minutes but with the fact that he is the main creative thrust and the fact that you do want him to stay a bit further up the pitch that probably does limit tailoring what he can do in terms of bombing forward because we're not the kind of team who's going to commit two players down the left too often we, we want to maintain our shape maintain our solidity so Perhaps if you did put someone in, uh, or even the fact that if you've got a replacement for McNeil and he's not vlogging himself to death for 90 minutes, you know, playing week in, week out, if you can afford to give him a rest, then you might get a little bit more defensive work out of him. I think it's notable as well that I think he did do a bit more tracking back in the Wolves game. There was there was one where we lost it on the edge of our box. Um, mm. I think it was just before the goal, actually. McNeil wins the ball right on the edge of our penalty area and starts the move that, that we get the first goal from. So probably maybe you saw a bit more of Taylor because you had that bit of tracking back from McNeil as well. So, uh, yeah, a bit of both, I think, a bit of the way the team plays and maybe a bit of when we do get a bit more cover on the flanks and, and we can perhaps afford to expend a bit more energy on that side as well. Yeah, definitely. Um, just going back to your Brownhill comment, uh, Dave, we were talking there about, obviously, Brownhill just seems to be getting more and more confident every single game and he looks like he's been playing the Premier League all his life. Um, if you're Dash, what on earth do you do when Jack Cork becomes fit again? Well, there is that dilemma, isn't there? Uh, Jack Cork, I think he's, he's played today, hasn't he? They've had a, a, a bounce game. Oh, has um, it? So he's, he's getting some uh, game time, trying to build his um, uh, confidence back up and his, his match fitness back up. And uh, yeah, I think Sean Dyche is going to have a, a dilemma on his hands there. Who's he, assuming he's going to play uh, two of those three uh, in midfield? What's he going to do when uh, Jack Cork's available? It's going to be a mm. tricky one. Who would you pick, Dave? Um, I think for the moment you you, you probably stick with uh, Browner. I think he's mm. uh, he's got the shirt at the moment, and it's uh, it's Jack Jack's Cork, Jack Cork's um, to win it back off him. Really, I mean that may may well be uh, coming on using substitutes a little bit more and uh, getting into games that way. Uh, but yeah. as it stands, I think it's uh, probably Josh Brownell's shirt to lose at the moment. Yeah, I think I probably agree with you. Um, Tom, do you think it's as black and white as that, or is there maybe an argument for dropping Westwood and playing Brownell and Cork or do you have a different view, I guess? I wouldn't mind seeing Brownell and Cork, to be honest. I think what you do get with Westwood is the set pieces and he can sort of play those mm. kind of long raking balls to the back post, which I don't really see as much of from uh, from Brownell and Cork. So perhaps you'd lose that if you were to drop him. I think Dyche does like Westwood as well. So uh, I'd, I'd be surprised if he did get dropped. But I wouldn't mind seeing a midfield of Brownell and Cork. I agree with Dave, though. I think um, the way Dyche has always operated is if there's a player with the shirt and he's playing well, then it's his to lose in at the minute getting good performances out of Brownhill and Westwood, I would argue. So I don't think Cork's going to find it easy to get back in. Yeah, I agree. Um, sticking with you then, Tom, I guess the the one blip on a night is is the loss of a clean sheet, particularly goaling being um, so 
late in the day. Um, I'm not sure I necessarily agree with a lot of the the media on this one that it was a, a really soft penalty that, that Bet Young Benson um, conceded. I thought it was incredibly naive from the young lad. Um, it, it just felt an unnecessary penalty that put us under pressure just for no reason. I think, you know, if you're a Deitch, what do you do with a young lad now? You know, do you how do you handle that situation? I think he's just going to learn from it. Simple as that. I mean, uh, I agree with you. I think it's a penalty. It's it's a challenge that he doesn't need to make, you know. And we've got a team who are well drilled. They know what they're doing. Wolves never look like troubling us once. And then, you know, we have to put a young, inexperienced lad on and that's where they get the break. Um, but it's one of them, you know, touch wood. And thankfully, it hasn't cost us in this game. Um, it'll just be a lesson that and every young player, you know, has to learn these lessons that everyone makes mistakes. Uh, it'll yeah. be something that they'll look back on. I'm sure they look back at it in training and just, you know, he'll know what he needs to do differently next time. And probably a good thing for us that it's happened in a game where it hasn't cost us any points. So, yeah, one of them things, uh, you know, he's had a really good start to his uh, to his being a career. So certainly not going to castigate him over that. Oh, God, yeah. No, no, I wasn't. Yeah, I, I agree. I, I definitely wasn't, uh, you know, advocating hauling the poor lad over the cause. I think it was just more of a, you know, how do you manage that? You know, do you... You know, is it tough love with him and just sort of tell him how it is, or do you just bring him on next game to make amends? It's I never really know what the best way around is to, to deal with younger players to see what the best option is. Um, Dave, one for you, um, and I don't know if you know the answer to this. Maybe I think this is more of a technical point than anything. I'm still perplexed and must have missed the memo that says that you can stamp on a player who's on the ground. And you don't even get a yellow card for it, never mind a red. Talk us through that ridiculous incident. Am I being unreasonable here? Uh, no, I don't think so. My, my my view on watching it, and obviously we do get the benefit of replays, is that um, if that was a Burnley play, you'd be looking and thinking, well, yeah, he's, he's probably going to walk here. Um, particularly when you've got VAR involved, you know, so, someone in a studio somewhere taking a look at that and uh, and decided there's nothing happening. So that, that really did... Uh, confuse me and it, it, it kind of compounds it even more when you hear the uh, comments made by uh, the Wolves manager after the game and also various uh, Wolves players as well uh, regarding specifically the referee's performance I mean maybe to an extent the fact that he's missed that kind of compounds it as well but certainly they weren't uh, complaining about that particular decision the fact that he didn't take any action on that one but yeah to my mind I thought that in this day and age that was a uh, reckless but he's definitely stamped down um, and it's a, it's a red card, and and why he wasn't sent off, I'm uh, I'm staggered. I'm I'm not sure why. Yeah, no, and I'm glad you brought up um, Nuno's comments because um, I was very much of the same view. I mean, Tom, I can't give any other justification for his post-match comments other than it's rule lesson number one in the Jose Mourinho school of tactics uh, of deflection tactics. Because I thought Mason was pretty invisible throughout the whole game. It's a weird one, isn't it? Because he's not normally that sort of manager, um, Nuno Espirito Santo. He's not really one that you see criticising referees. He's normally very kind of level and calm, whatever the result. Um, I think the only the only um, way I can fall down on his side is that I agree with him in that Lee Mason isn't a very good referee. Um, generally speaking, he's one of them that when we get him, I think, oh God, here we go. But uh, having said that, I think he had a quiet game. If you were Wolves, you certainly wouldn't be complaining because he gave them a penalty. Uh, me myself, I don't think it was a red card. I think um, he, he's sort of tried to, he's trying to get the ball out, I think, and I don't think he really catches Brownell. I think it would have been a harsh red card. Um, but, you know, you can make the argument that, you know, Wolves have, have been on the, the right side of that decision, certainly. And then, other than that, you know, there's a few niggly fouls either way. There's, you know, we do a bit of time wasting that Mason doesn't really pick up on, but I, I really don't think he's had much effect on the outcome of the game. You know, we've controlled the, the large parts of it, and the reason we've won is because we were much better than Wolves. So to, to come out swinging for the referee at full time, uh, as I say, I, I don't rate Mason as a ref, but if you're going to criticise him, it seems a strange time to do it. So, yeah, maybe belatedly he's picking up on those Portuguese mind games tactics. Yeah, definitely. It did, uh, yeah, it did feel a bit of a strange one. I think it is funny, really, because I, I don't pay a massive amount of attention to Wolves, but I feel like I, I think I'd picked up a couple of times some... Um, maybe from Wolves message boards and Wolves fans basically saying that it was time for, for him to be to be sent to, to be sent off. No, that's not right. Um, we don't send managers off. We sack them. Um, sack managers, which felt like a little bit entitled, really. It feels like a Wolves fans are maybe getting a little bit too comfortable with the uh, 
upper end of the Premier League table and running away with themselves sometimes. You just think, you know, I think he's done a fantastic job for them and long may that continue. Um, I don't think there's any other talking points from the game. Um, I would quite like to give an honorary mention to Chris Woods just wonderfully unnecessarily absolutely smashing that ball into the back of the net um yeah, that felt nice didn't it I think <laughs> that was very enjoyable yeah, exactly <laughs> yeah. it's like you just know it's going through his head he's like it's right on the line he literally needs to sneeze on it and it goes across the line and he's like <laughs> shall I just tap this in no I'm gonna smash this in. I'm gonna break the back of the net that was uh that was wonderful I enjoyed that immensely um I can't think that there were any uh Dave have we had any injury news on because obviously at the moment we've got Brady and um, Dwight Dwight and obviously yeah. Goodmanson's already out as well. As I yeah. haven't seen the news for a couple of days. Have we had any updates on injuries? Yeah, I think they had the press conference earlier. And I think it's um, it, it looking like it might be touch and go for Brady and for Dwight. I they've come out and Ugh. said they either are or they aren't. So it's kind of a little bit up in the air on that one. So um, it'd be a, a turn up if, if Dwight isn't in the team. I think the, the stat came out, didn't it, that he'd played was it, was it 71 consecutive yeah. um, Premier League games, which for a player of his age is uh, incredible, incredible, really. Yeah, um, really and is. we are very reliant on him. And uh, if we're missing him on uh, Sunday, it'll be a big miss. Oh, crikey. We're going to be playing Eric Peters at left wing. <laughs> and who are we going to play on the right wing if Gunmanson doesn't make it? That's... Well, am I That's wrong in saying there was a game years and years ago when Cotterill was manager that we, we went to Leeds away and the fullbacks were Richard Duffy and Lee Roach and they both scored and we won? So, you know, maybe history's going to repeat itself. Tom, that's why I love you. That's why I love you immensely. You always find the... In fact, I've probably got the two most positive members of Team None and Ever on the same show tonight. I'm not sure you two have done a show together, have you, before? Maybe, maybe last season. The postcard one that Tom was on, wasn't he? Oh, yes, postcard from Istanbul, the very yeah. first one. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. yeah, but yeah, you two genuinely are the the absolute pioneers of positivity. So um, this is a good show to get you both on. Um, well, let's leave the Wolves analysis there. Um, listeners, if you want to talk about any points that you think that we've not covered or you just want to basically just gloat in that wonderful victory, then you know how to get in touch with us. Tweet us at known and ever or email us at podcast at knownandever.net. Which reminds me, and I think this every single week, Dave, I've still not set up the preview show email. Will you pester me over that on the Christmas break? Because I've got two weeks off work now and I, I need to do that. Because we just all of our preview show emails just go into the main email address, which luckily for us, producer Matt checks way more frequently than I do. Um, so yeah, I, I'm going to, by the time we do the next preview show, wherever that may be, We'll set up a preview show. I'll mither you. You yeah. mither me. It's a great word. Mither me. Um, so let's move on to the second half of the show, which is, of course, previewing Leeds United away, which is being played on Sunday, the 27th of December, 12 noon, live on Sky Sports and Sky One. Is this a free game, Dave? It's a freebie, yes. If you're a, if you're a Sky subscriber and don't have the sports channels, um, you will be able to watch it on Sky One. Excellent. Opposition stats. Right, well, let's kick off with our preview of that game then. So why don't you start us, Dave, with recent history, please? Yeah, recent history. Burnley have been the visitors to Ellen Road on just five occasions since 2009-10, which is the uh, window we're looking at for the preview shows this season. And all those five visits were championship games during that time. Uh, Burnley have won one of those, drawn one and lost three times. Uh, after a hat-trick of defeats in consecutive seasons, uh, we we won 2-1 during our first promotion season under Sean Dyche. That was in 2013-14, although we're going to save the details of that game until a little bit later, as it's also the focus of one of our other sections. Um, we haven't played Leeds United in the league since the uh, 2015-16 season, uh, and our last visit to Welland Road, that was at the start of that campaign, and that ended in a 1-1 draw. Excellent. Uh, where are we going to next, Dave? I've lost. I've lost my place on my script. Where are we? Oh, Burnley's okay, yes. Last top flight win. Yes, Dave. Burnley's last top flight win. Take it away. Uh, we've got to go back quite a while for that because Burnley oh. and Leeds. Uh, well, Leeds United and Burnley haven't met in the top flight uh, for quite a while. April. 1976 was our last top flight visit to Ellen Road, but we lost that game. We lost 2-1. Uh, and we also lost our place in the first division at the end of that season. Uh, we had to wait another 33 years until we regained it um, in the promotion season 2008-2009. Uh, but our last top flight win at Ellen Road was a couple of years 
prior to that game we just spoke about, our uh, last top flight visit, uh, and that was in the 1973-74 season, uh, which leads us on, almost seamlessly you might say, to this week's highlight. Highlights and lowlights. Which would be? Uh, Yeah, the 1973-74 season. Uh, It was our first season back in the first division after a two-year stay in the second tier. Uh, That ended with a well-deserved promotion and a second division title win in 1972-73. Jimmy Adamson's Burnley team did well in the first season back. Uh, We finished sixth, but Don Revy's Leeds United did even better. They ended up as champions of England that season. Uh, They led the way for pretty much an entire season, and were unbeaten in the first 29 league games, just failing to match Burnley's 30-match unbeaten run of 1920-21. Leeds were still top of the table when Burnley visited Ellen Road on the 23rd of March 1974, but it was Burnley who not only won, but did so emphatically by a 4-1 scoreline. Paul Fletcher had already put Burnley into the lead in the first half, but Alan Clark equalised for Leeds. Within a minute, though, Burnley were back ahead with what many Clarets still consider to be one of Burnley's best goals of all time. When Jeff Nulty challenged with Gordon McQueen, the ball went into the air and Paul Fletcher met it with a spectacular acrobatic bicycle kick to give us a 2-1 lead at half-time. Second-half goals from Doug Collins and Jeff Nulty added to Burnley's tally, and as I've already mentioned, the match finished as a memorable 4-1 away win. Yeah, excellent. Um, do you remember much about that 1920-21 season, Dave, where you were... What you talked about? No, I thought I thought you were going to say 1973-74. I don't know. I don't remember that one either. Thank you, young young Natalie. <laughs> you know, I like to tease you. That that's uh, yeah. That that's uh, just my little bit of Christmas cheer. Um, oh, what's this? So, you, are we putting this in the show notes? So you sent us a Paul Fletcher. It's in the show. I mean, you you can click and have a look now, but it doesn't make very good uh, very good radio, does it? No, let's not let's not do that. Let's, we did that a couple of weeks, or didn't we? Where I started going on a narrative, and I realised halfway through that this was incredibly dull for our listeners. So I'm not going to yes. do that. But uh, young it Dave, it was a good had... goal. It was a good excellent. Goal. Well, uh, producer Matt will put it in the show notes because um, Dave has handily done us a little link to it it's on Burnley's official club site so um not wanting to dampen the mood but unfortunately we need to what have you picked on the flip side of that Dave as our low light uh for our low light this week we've chosen a match from January 2012 uh despite playing with 10 men for much of the game after the dismissal of Kieran Trippier in the news again today uh, for a second yellow card in quick succession after just half an hour, uh, Burnley actually took the lead through Charlie Austin with 20 minutes to play. It was still 1-0 to Burnley with two minutes remaining, but an own goal following Adam Clayton's corner, which appeared to touch Jay Rodriguez last of all, um, gave uh, Leeds United uh, an equaliser. And another goal shortly afterwards from Ross McCormack, complete an unlikely comeback from the home side and it resulted in 1,600 Burnley fans going home disappointed. That match was almost eight years ago, but current players Ben Mee and Jay Rodriguez were both in the Burnley starting lineup that day, although Jay, of course, has been with Southampton and West Bromwich Albion in between times. Indeed. Heroes and villains. Um, moving on then to our heroes and villains section, who have you picked as our hero for this fixture? Well, this week's hero is a player who's responsible for scoring Burnley's last two goals against Leeds United at Ellen Road. He scored Burnley's second goal in a match we won 2-1 in September 2013, which of course was early on in our first promotion season under Sean Dyche. Uh, And our most recent goal there was a late equaliser in a 1-1 draw in the season opener in 2015-16, another promotion season, when a header by this player from Tendai Dariqua's cross earned an away point for the Clarets, a matter of minutes after Mirko Antonucci had given Leeds United the lead. Have you guessed who it is yet? Is this my Christmas present? It's your Christmas present, yes. Tom, do you know who this is? Yeah, I remember watching this on Sky. He's a big Welshman, or a faux Welshman. How many consecutive preview shows is this now that we've managed to get booked in? I'm starting to think there's a little bit of an agenda going on. <laughs> it is I'm not course. complaining either. <laughs> it is, of course, Sam Vokes, who is still the club's top goal scorer during Sean Dyche's time as Burnley manager and Natalie's absolute fave. So, yes, uh, Sam Vokes is <sighs> our hero for this week. He's always my he's my hero every week. I love him. Um, <laughs> who who on the flip side then, Dave? Have you picked as our villain? 
Uh, well, Leeds United's Peter Lorimer is still the club's all-time goalscorer, uh, all-time top goalscorer, and he's also the highest goalscorer in matches between Leeds United and Burnley Ellen Road, with seven. Uh, no individual Burnley player has scored more than two goals in matches at Ellen Road between the two teams. Uh, Peter Lorimer had two spells with Leeds United, firstly from 1962 to 1979, and then again from 1983 to 1985, and is considered to be a club legend. But for the seven goals he scored against Burnley at Ellen Road, Peter Lorimer is our villain for this week. Excellent. It's the one to watch. And then finally, in my favourite feature of the entire preview show, who have you picked as our one to watch? Uh, well, there's not many of these now. As we discussed last time, we're going to have a, li- a little uh, replacement for this section for the second half of the season. We've had a few ideas through from listeners on that, which we're going to uh, give some consideration to mm. and uh, hopefully incorporate some of that in future shows. But for the moment, we are sticking with our one to watch. Uh, and this week, it's 30-year-old Polish midfielder, midfielder uh, Matthias Klik, who arrived at Leeds from FC20 in August 2017 for an undisclosed fee. Uh, is believed to be around £1.5 million. Pounds. Uh, as well as being an important player for Leeds United over the last couple of years, including his contribution to their promotion last season, he seems to have stepped up and adapted well to the rigours of the Premier League so far. He's played in every Premier League match so far this season for Leeds, and as well as scoring three goals from midfield, an impressive tally, he's also been credited with four assists. Apart from Patrick Bamford, he's also Leeds United's highest point scorer in the Fantasy Premier League so far this season. Uh, Leeds have come into the Premier League with quite an attacking mindset uh, under Marcelo Bielsa, which seems to have won them quite a lot of praise from neutrals. And the system they play means that there are several players who are capable of causing problems to opposition defences. But for his contribution so far this season, Matthias Klick is our one to watch. Got to say, Tom, obviously Dave just mentioned him there now. I was going to talk about him when we come on to preview the show. For me, even if we get beat, as long as Bamford doesn't score, can you imagine? He's going to, isn't he? I was really dreading he was going to say Patrick Bamford then, yeah. yeah. I know. If I'd if if seen the show notes, uh, sorry, the show script, and he'd have picked Patrick Bamford as the one to watch, I would have deleted it. I literally I wouldn't have let him do it because there's no way. I'm just I'm dreading him scoring just because it's going to be painful. Um Final then build-up for the game, Dave. Who is our referee for the game? Uh, well, our referee for the match at Ellen Road is a relative newcomer, at least in terms of Premier League experience. Uh, Robert Jones from the Wirral has only taken charge of three previous Premier League games, uh, one last season and two so far in 2020-21. Uh, after a few years in the EFL, he was promoted to the Select Group 1 prior to the start of this season, along with Darren England. Uh, Robert Jones has actually refereed two previous Burnley matches, though, both of which were in cup competitions in previous seasons. He oversaw our defeat at Burton Albion in the League Cup in September 2018 and was also in charge of our 4-2 home win over Peterborough United in the FA Cup third round back at the start of January this year. Um, I do wonder if he would have been appointed for this match had it been in front of a packed Ellen Road, uh, but as a behind-closed-doors match, it's probably a slightly easier task. Um, he'll be assisted from Stockley Park uh, by Michael Oliver, who will be the video assistant referee for this match. Excellent. Stat Man Dave's Stat of the Week. And obviously, not only is it not the thing to be done, but it's Christmas as well. So why don't you delve into that massive bank of stats, give our listeners an extra Christmas present and tell us what your miscellaneous stat of the week is. Uh, Well, this week's uh, miscellaneous stat of the week is a festive one. Uh, 2020 will be the first year since 2004 that Burnley haven't played a match on Boxing Day, after the date of this match for Leeds United was changed a couple of weeks ago. Uh, In the last 15 years, between uh, 2005 and 2019, Turf Moor has been the venue for nine Boxing Day games with Burnley playing six matches on that date away from home. Uh, As a result of matches tending to be scheduled on Boxing Day, it's more than a quarter of a century since Burnley played a match on the 27th of December. It's 27 years ago, in fact, in 1993. Wrexham were the visitors to Turf Moor, and it was the Clarets who won that game 2-1, with second-half goals from Kevin Russell and a cracker from Steve Davis after trailing to a first-half goal by Steve Watkins. Excellent. That is a good start. Uh, well, before we get the thoughts of the team in advance of that game at Ellen Road, we looked at an opposition view. So we spoke to George Brooke from El Loco to find out what he thought Lee's chances were in this fixture. 
Opposition View. Hello there, no nay never. Thank you very much for having me. It's George here from El Loco for Leeds. And I'm just going to give my preview to the Leeds Burnley game at Ellen Road, which is a massive game for both sides, isn't it? But before I get into that, I'll just give you a bit of a background of why I came to supporting Leeds United. Um, it's a pretty standard one, not a very exciting story, really. Um, my dad supports Leeds, so I just followed him in uh, in supporting uh, Leeds. I actually have a couple of brothers. We all support different sides. One's Liverpool, one's Newcastle. So it's been great to have um, the three of our teams back in the Premier League uh, this season. Uh, you know, and we're enjoying it very much. And yeah, so as far as I see the season and how has it gone now, we're 14 games into the season. Uh, going on to halfway nearly, and it's going all right to be honest with you. Um, I did, you know, I didn't expect us to be setting the league alight and, you know, b- being in the top six. Say, you know, we're about where I thought we would be, and about where we where I think we're going to finish. So uh, we're right on schedule as far as I'm concerned. Maybe even ahead of it, we've 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 had some great games so far in the Premier League, and. It's from fans who haven't perhaps had the luxury of seeing Bielsa's teams play. You know, everybody's been quite surprised and we've got a lot of applaudits from a lot of pundits and and neutral fans alike, uh, which is great, but that's the way we play. It's very much risk and reward. It's very attacking. You know, it is very much we'll score more than you. If you're going to score three, then we're going to score four. You know, or five, it's that kind of ethos of playing. It's... It, it is. It's just that we're gonna we leave ourselves open to to conceding goals. As you've seen against obviously last time against Man uh, Man United, we can't play like that against teams like that really because we got found out. But that's the way we play. We won't change it as much as the fans would beg Bielsa to change it against teams like United, against teams like Chelsea, and all that kind of stuff. He will not do it. He'll always go attacking. He'll always play a 4 1 4 1. It'll always be let's go and get more goals than the opposition. Like I say, if you're going to score three, then we're going to score four, or we're going to score five or six. You know, we're always going to go forward, even uh, sort of 6 1 down or 4 1 down at half time against United at Old Trafford on Sunday. We were still going forward. It's go forward, try and get more goals. It don't matter if you fall one down, just try and get the goals. And that's very much the way we play. And I've been, you know, very impressed with Leeds really, to be fair. I think we've we've got some good results. We've surprised a few um people, not maybe not teams because we haven't really got that many results that I, that I didn't really expect us to get. But, yeah, we've had some fantastic results as, you know, away at Sheffield United. Looked a very good result at the start of the season. You know, 3-0 away at Villa. Brilliant, brilliant result. 5-2 at Newcastle. Just shows you that we can do that to teams as well as, you know, get it given from teams as well. So, yeah, so far so good for, as far as I'm concerned. And it's very much very exciting to watch. Um, as far as I, I see them lining up, well, as much as I would like to see it change, to be honest with you, from the game that we got absolutely smashed 6-2 by United, which was one which very much hurt a lot of Leeds fans and me myself was very very disappointed at, at the way you know we conceded and left ourselves very open at the back. Um, but I'm going to go with probably the same. I'll actually give you the one that I would actually like it to be. Um, so I would like it to be um, obviously Melier in goal. He always uh, always there. I would like to see Alioski at left back. Um, I would like to see Ailing and Strauch at, at, at centre back. I think Liam Cooper is hobbling off with an injury. Well, he hobbled off um, with an injury against United. I don't know if he's if he's fit actually for this one. So if not, then I would expect Ailing to to go in and Strauch to come in for Cooper. Um, right back, I would actually like to see a young lad. Um, Cody Drama, who's been impressing for the youth uh, team so far, uh, and I would like to see him 
in there, the youth side of, of uh, a top of their league, the coming off the back of a 7-1 win against Fulham in the last game. And Drama has been really one of those that has been really impressing it in the defensive line at right back. I would like to see him at right back. Um, Phillips will be the CDM in the 4-1-4-1 formation. I would like to see Harrison on the left. I would like to see Rodrigo just behind um, the striker. And also I would like to see Dallas partnering Rodrigo in the centre of the midfield. Um, Now it's usually Mateus Click. Um, I'll give what I expect to be the line-up in a minute because this is what I would like to see. Uh, It's usually Click. But for me and for a lot of Leeds fans, he hasn't been on it the last few games. Perhaps needs a bit of a rest. Uh, some of these players have become a little bit too comfortable and almost expect themselves to be in the on the starting eleven, 11 sheet team sheet, you know, all the time. I think Click needs a little bit of a kick up the arse and and he needs a little bit of a rest. So I would like to see Dallas play alongside Rodrigo. Um, on the right side will be Rafina, who has been impressive. You know, he's come in from Rennes uh, in France. Uh, sort of deadline day of the transfer window in October and yeah it's been very impressive got himself a couple of assists I know it was a, a horrible defeat against against Man U uh, but he got himself a couple of, of assists in the game scored a wonderful goal at Everton earlier on in the season as well and then of course there's going to be Bamford up front a player that you guys of course will know uh, pretty well he didn't have a Great time at Burnley, did he on loan from Chelsea? Um, you know, so he'll have a point to prove, won't he? You know, in this one, but he'll be up top as always. Um, and what I would like to see, but what that was what I would like to see. What I think it will be is Melier in goal, Alioski left back. Uh, I think Cooper might be fit, like I said, I'm not so sure, but I think he. If he is, then he'll play. So it'll be Cooper and Aylin at centre-back. Dallas will be right-back. Phillips will be CDM role again. Harrison, Click, Rodrigo, Rafinha will make up the uh, midfield and then Bamford up front by himself. So he's probably going to be unchanged from uh, the defeat at Old Trafford, which is very frustrating uh, for a lot of fans, really. But he doesn't often change it very... Well, doesn't change it very often at all. You know, we've got players sitting on the bench that can cause problems uh, on the day. Held Acosta start the season very well, but has um, since sort of dropped off it. Uh, Perveda looks a danger on the right-hand side, so maybe expect to see him at some stage in the game. And obviously Hernandez has come back onto the bench and, and played a, a good part against Newcastle, got a couple of late assists. Uh, in that game and he's a real strong player Pablo Hernandez obviously fell out a little bit I think with Bielsa earlier on in the season he had a little bit of a um, he spat his dummy out when he got uh, subbed against Leicester and he didn't play for a couple of games but that all seems to be sorted Um, there's also a few youngsters on the bench I expect to see them uh, line up on the bench uh, on Sunday as well the likes of Shackleton who came on Old Trafford, uh, Strauch as well, and Davis, um, perhaps Oliver Casey as well, maybe. And like I say, I would like to see Cody Drama start uh, at right back. Um, he has been very impressive for the under twenty one team or the under twenty three sides. Uh, so yeah, that's 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 my uh, predicted lineup anyway. Um, going on then to who I see as Burnley's key players. Now, we all know what Burnley are going to bring to this game. It's going to be a 4-4-2 formation. It's um, it's effective football. Not very attractive football, but it's effective football. Daesh has his system. All their players know exactly how to play it. And, you know, that's it. It's going to be tough. The lineup probably, you know, you could probably say the Burnley lineup now and be right with it. You know, it'll be Nick Pope in goal. It'll be, um, it'll be Loughton, won't it, at, uh, at right back. It'll be, um, Tarkovsky and me at centre back. One of our own lads, Charlie Taylor, which will be interesting to see how he comes and, and plays at Ellen Road. Uh, he's at left back. But, uh, 
Brady, Westwood, Brown, Neil McNeil, Barnes, Wood. That'll be, I'm pretty sure that'll be your lineup. Now, in terms of the, the people that I found, that I find the players that will, um, hurt us and, and can have potential to hurt us, um, is obviously Woody. We all know about Woody. He's a great, great player, is Wood. Uh, great in the air. He's a real strong striker and he's, he's done very well for you guys, to be fair. I was gutted when he left. Um, but you couldn't you couldn't begrudge him of a of a chance to play in the Premier League, and he's done very well for for you guys. Ashley Barnes is another player that can cause us problems. That's um, you know they've got a good partnership going on there of the two of them lads, and and again from set pieces is where we we struggle. You know we struggle at set pieces, and I think uh, Robbie Brady is is a good can you know he can strike a, he can strike a free kick. He's going to be dangerous from free kicks and corners, uh, taking them. Dwight McNeil's obviously a danger on the right side as well. So you have players that can cause us problems uh, with a certain way you play. And like I say, it's it's a definite four four two. That I I guess that'll probably be the lineup. And you know you've done very well over the last few games. You've got um, a few clean sheets, looking very solid. It's very different. Um, styles of football these two and it's very much open we're very open you're very tight and defensive and you'll make it hard for us on Sunday but what I'm going to go for as a score prediction I know this is a, a Burnley channel you know and it's great to, for you guys to have me on I really appreciate it um, you know don't forget to go and check out my channel El Loco for Leeds on all uh, social media Facebook uh, Twitter, YouTube, Instagram, uh, go check me out. That that would be much appreciated. Um, but like I say, I'm probably going to upset a few people here, but I'm never going to back us to lose this game. I think it will be tricky, but I think we will eventually ground you, uh, grind you guys down. And I feel like we're going to win three uh, one. Uh, but it's going to be a it's going to be a tight game this one early. You know, an early start for us. I think if we get an early goal, we're, you know, that opens up the game and you guys are going to have to come out and attack us and that might leave gaps at the back for us to exploit. So, But on the same token, I feel like defensively we're not solid on, on set pieces and you have a very accomplished um, set-piece taker in Robbie Brady in, in that team who can cause issues and you've got big headers of the ball like Barnes and Wood who can cause us problems. So it's going to be a good game, but thanks a lot for having me. Have a good Christmas, uh, everybody, won't you? And, uh, and, and yeah, thanks very much. I'll see you all in a bit. So, Tom... What what's your head and your heart saying about this game? Uh, for once, my head and my heart are quite closely aligned. I mean, I know Leeds have got a you know a, a good attacking style. You know, uh, we've seen them take some teams apart this season, but we've also seen them be very naive. Um, the, the last game against Man United, you know, two 0 down after three minutes, and they just kept going, even though they know they're going to lose playing that way. They carry on playing that way. And I feel like we're just the sort of team that they're going to come unstuck against. I feel like we've got a bit too much now for them a little bit. We're a little bit too well-versed in the dark arts. So I'm quite hopeful for this game. I think it's going to be one of these where Leeds have about 25 shots. We have two and we win 1-0. Uh, that's, that's what my head and my heart would say. So fingers crossed that's the outcome. What would you do um, attacking-wise? I think because usually the, the rest of the... Well, the main bulk of the team plays itself with the small squad that we're playing. What do you do up front? Are you going to stick with Wooden Barnes or do we bring Jay back in? Uh, I think, well, they both scored, so I don't think you can really drop either of them. Mm. They both played well. What you might look at doing, perhaps, is if um, McNeil or Brady don't make it, you could you could maybe play mm. Rodriguez um, out on the wing. That might yeah, be definitely. Uh, what about you, Dave? How are you feeling? Do you think? Uh, I mean, I guess we've got to go into this game feeling pretty confident, haven't we? Given the the run of games we've been on. Uh, we're unbeaten in four, and we've got um, some winnable matches over Christmas and New Year. I think Le- Leeds is going to be a challenge. I think they uh, they've got a style of football that if they are allowed to play that way and get away with that, then they will you know make a lot of chances and make it difficult for teams. But I think equally, uh, the way we play won't suit their game quite so much. So if we can impose that style on them and, and keep it tight, keep it 
tight defensively, um, try and play a little bit on the break because there will be uh, gaps behind them and also from set pieces, then uh, Burnley could get sting out of it as well. So I'm kind of not very confident of a win, but I'm thinking that maybe, um, well, in terms of score predictions, I think it's going to be a draw. I'm going to go for a 1-1 draw. Excellent. Um, what do you do, striker-wise, Dave? Are you sticking with Wooden Barnes or are you going to bring Jay back? Um, I think it's hard to drop them when they've both, uh, both scored. I think uh, Tom makes a good point that, yeah, there's that option that if we are struggling for, for, for players on the wing, it may end up with uh, uh, Jay Rodriguez on there. But it's, um, yeah, I, I, I think that Barnes and Wood have done enough in the last game to uh, to deserve to keep the place. And uh, it's good to have options. I think uh, Jay Rodriguez is going to get his chance this season. Um, he had to bide his time at the start of last season when he came in and then he kind of established himself. He's gone on a little bit of a, a drier run and uh, you know he's, he's got to work his way back in. So we'll we'll see how it goes. But I, I wouldn't be surprised to see the same front two. Mm, same. Uh, so you're going 1-1. I think Burnley going to edge it as well. I'm going to go 2-1. I don't think we'll keep a clean sheet. I'm going to say 2-1 again. Tom, quick score prediction from you, please. Yeah, 1-0 off Ashley Barnes's arse in the last minute. <laughs> and Q Leeds fan meltdown. Um, excellent. Well, why don't you let us know your preview? We actually, after a, a, I think our score prediction drought coincided with our goal drought as well, because up until last week, nobody was sending any score predictions in, and we had absolutely loads last week emailed to us or tweeted to us. So if you are listening to this ahead of the game um, on the 27th and you've got a prediction, do tweet us at nonanever.net or email us at podcast at nonanever.net and let us know what you think the score will be. Fantasy Premier League update. And then rounding off this week's show, Young Dave, we are going to take a look at uh, the Non and Never Fantasy Premier League and see what happened in game week. 15, 14? What game week are we on? I'm lost. That's a good question, actually. I think we were up to 14, weren't we? We've just had 14. Yeah, game week 14. So, yeah, what happened in game week 14, Dave? Well, our top five in the No Near Never Fantasy Premier League are as follows. We've got uh, Matthew Blackburn down to fifth place uh, with 873. Uh, L.E.H., that's a new name, I think, we've not mentioned before. Uh, up to fourth position, a good week with 95 points, up to uh, 875 in total. Uh, it's level with uh, Alison Bexer, the name of the team from uh, Ursay. That's uh, Eric, I think. I think Eric's uh, shortening his name for, for that. Um, we've got uh, Charlie Bins in second place on 878, so it's fairly tight in there. And then romping away in the lead is uh, Joanne Butterworth. Yes. 897 points, so she's clear by more than 20. That's my girl. She's going to bring it home this year. Uh, how are we doing, Dave? Uh, well, you went down Woo! to 235th place, uh, and I went down as well. I'm down to 148th. I'm not happy about just how many points ahead of me you are. Uh, this is This is not good. Well, yeah, it's still a long way to go, but I think the longer it goes on, it's going to get more and more difficult to bridge that gap, isn't it? Mm, yeah, probably. Um, what about the rest of the Nona Never team? How's everybody else doing? Well, I was going to mention, first of all, Bennett Howarth, who we had Ooh. on a couple of weeks ago for the um, one of our preview shows. Uh, he was obviously last year's champion, of course. Uh, he seemed to have had a bit of a, a boost. He's uh, improved his uh, position. Uh, he's now up to 42nd place, so maybe he's on for a, a late run to try and get into the uh, top five before the season's out. Um, uh, despite taking a dive down to 82nd position, Richard Steele suffered a little bit in the last week or two, uh, but he's still the highest placed the No Near Never podcasters, although it looks like producer Matt in 142nd is the closest to uh, catching him up. And I should really have got uh, Tom's position on here. Tom, you remember off the top of your head where you're up to, Tom? Uh, I can tell you where I am because I don't actually play fancy ah. Premier League, so I won't. I shouldn't be appearing on that. Ah, <laughs> it's too complicated for me. I used to play when I was when I was a bit younger, and then like, well, it's all this like triple captain and but it's like a full time job. So I just I I, I, yes, I drifted away. It is, and people make me enter it every year because we lost a league, and every single year I'm near the bottom, mainly because unless either Dave or producer Matt send me an email on Friday reminding me to do my team. I forget. Which we do regularly. Which you do regularly, and most of the time I jump on and do it. I've got into quite a good habit of doing it when we finish recording the preview show on a Thursday, yeah. that's a good timing. But I think, actually, I do think we did figure this out. There is somebody called Tom Whitaker in there, or Tom Claret, and I think we thought it was you, and you told us after a show, you went, ah, ah. 
Not not me, my friend, not me. Um, do, 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 do. So where are, we, where are we up to? Where are we up to? Uh, do we have any stats on Team of the Week or anything like that? I didn't do that for this week because I thought, well, I've got something different to do. We're going to have Ooh. a little bit of a change and look at uh, the top players. So Ooh, um, there's actually, there's actually a, a good, there's, well, there's loads of uh, resource out there for uh, fantasy Premier League players, but there's uh, managers. Uh, but there's one I found, uh, fplanalytics.com. I think they're FPL Analytics on uh, Twitter. And you can go on there and you can sort of slice and dice the data, which is... Uh, for uh, statos like me is uh, really good. Um, and just looking at the uh, points per game, so players for the season to date, the top 21 players, I think it is, um, Mo Salah is actually out in front. I think he's the overall uh, highest point scorer in totality, but also in terms of his points per game, he's now got 9.1 points per game, which as an average across the season is pretty good. Um, he's actually owned now by 41% of uh, managers. That's going up all the time. I think the last couple of games he's seemed to get back into a bit of a rhythm, um, and I think more and more managers are picking up on that and, and drafting him into their side. So that's worth uh, looking at the, the trends on some of these. Hummin uh, uh, son of uh, Tottenham, is uh, in terms of points per game, he's second with 8.3. He's actually owned by 62% of managers. I think he's one of the highest now in terms of uh, ownership. Um, and Harry Kane just behind him on 7.9 points per game. But he's interestingly only owned by 42% of uh, of managers. So it's uh, quite a difference between those two. Looking down that list, there's uh, just the one Burnley player in there. You guess who the uh, Burnley player is who we've got in the highest points per game? Must be Nick Pope. Nick, Nick Pope, yeah, sure. Yes, correct. Uh, Nick Pope's got 5.8 points per game. He's got uh, 64%, in, 64 points in total, um, and he's the highest uh, overall Burnley point scorer as well for the season. But just just going down the names in here, we've got uh, some of the usual suspects, Jamie Vardy, uh, Fernandes and Man United, Jack Grealish, uh, Callum Wilson, uh, Calvert-Lewin Everton, uh, Chilwell, Chelsea, uh, Zahar Bamford's in there, looking at, uh, I think he's the only Leeds player in there, uh, Zuma of Chelsea, Danny Ings of Southampton, uh, Martinez, uh, goalkeeper for Aston Villa, I think he's... Uh, uh, giving Nick Pope a, a run for his money in terms of uh, points this season. Kevin De Bruyne, uh, yeah, got a few Man City ones in there. Sterling, Mares, uh, and then we've got Mane, Liverpool, uh, uh, Mings for Aston Villa, and uh, Marcus Rashford as well. So it's it's quite a good side for you if you're struggling for, particularly for your transfers. This might be useful for you, Natalie. Oh. If you're looking for uh, players to bring in, then you can kind of uh, have a look at the data, mix and match it, sort it filter it and then get your uh, targets for who you're going to bring into your team excellent so well worth a look that's a lot more sophisticated than my usual tactic where i just click on the i button next to the picture and it look if it looks like they've had a decent amount of points and i've got the money i just put them in that's about as sophisticated as my transfer policy gets it's uh i always feel like every time i do these shows bennett howarth must just be so disappointed in me he must just be like you are you are no jedi in the making young bromley <laughs> I think it's just going to bin me off and stop giving me tips before long. Um, well, that's good. We'll keep going. Um, and those of you who did catch our um, special with Bennett Howarth, um, it wasn't last week, it was the week before, wasn't it? Um, Two weeks yeah. ago, yeah. Do make sure you um, take a quick look at that, even if you just listen to his section, because he, he recapped some of the tips that he gave us at the beginning of the season, um, and particularly with this winter break coming up and the the winter break coming, there's some tactics in there about when to use those magic spells that they give you and what to do about your players and I don't even remember I need to listen to it again myself but do tune in um we're not 100% yet sure when we're recording the next preview show uh, which of course is for the home game against Sheffield United we are going to try and give you um the latest uh, fantasy premier league news as best we can but obviously it just depend on when we can do it um we're going to try and, and get whatever we can out in terms of podcasts over the next week or so but bearing in mind that this is a difficult time for a lot of people and family and and Christmas comes first so we'll try and get the team together as we can and see what we can publish for you. Statman Dave's quiz question. Um, so let's leave our listeners then, uh, Dave, with a quiz question. Um, what have you decided to set them this week? Well, this week's quiz question is another tricky one, I think. Uh, and although I don't think anyone will be likely to know the precise answer off the top of their head, 
Hopefully it does spark some interest and we'll receive some intelligent guesses. So the question is, or the build-up to the question is, uh, Burnley's Premier League game against Wolves was the Clarets' 120th top-flight game to be played at Turf Moor since our promotion to the Premier League in 2009. But we would like to know how many times in these 120 games have Burnley kicked towards the cricket field stand in the second half? Okay, can me and Tom have a guess at this? Just because it's Christmas, obviously you won't tell us whether we're we're wrong or not. But why don't you? I think I think I know where I'm going to guess with this. Can I kick off with this and just give a guess? If you want, yeah. Don't tell on. us whether we're right or not. But I won't won't give it away. Yeah, no. on the basis that first and foremost, it's what's well, a coin flip, and so it's fifty fifty chance of getting it, and. Burnley will only really choose to kick towards a cricket field stand in the second half when they win it. I'm going to guess 61 times. Tom, what's your what's your theory behind this question? See, I sit in the Jimmy Mack upper and I don't remember many games where we were kicking towards the Jimmy Mack upper in the first half. So I'd, I'd be guessing down the low end, I'd be saying like, I don't know, 10, something like that. Oh, I don't right. think it'd be that many. No, we should... Mm. Have I got that the wrong way around then? Do we? We normally want to kick in the cricket. We normally oh, no, want we do it to first, kick towards the uh, Jimmy Mack in the second half. Ah, right? so okay, we yeah. Know got it the wrong way around. How many times we go towards a cricket field stand oh. in the second half? It's usually when we lose the toss and the uh, opposition turn it around because we we usually yeah. want to kick that way. No, I for some reason in my in my immediate head, I'd, I'd, it's, this is because we've not been at Turf Moor for what it feels like forever. I'd got into my head straight away that we we choose to kick towards a cricket field stand, but no, you're right. We choose to kick to the we we usually choose cricket field stand in the first, first half. half. Yes, which is what I was thinking. So yes, I agree with Tom. I think the figure's quite low. I don't think I think it's going to be more than ten. I would guess I'm gonna guess 21 rather than 61. So there you go. So listeners, um, please feel free to mock me for getting the wrong way around and essentially just completely destroy our logic. Um, Tom, mine was kind of based on maths, albeit I used the wrong equation because I forgot which way around we did. Tom was just based on how many games is in the Jimmy Mac stand, which is just feeling. So if you've got a different formula of how you worked this out, I would love to hear it. Please send your actually, how do our listeners send our quiz questions in, Dave? Uh, well, you can get in touch with your guests uh, using any of these methods. You can tweet us or preferably send us a direct message on Twitter, although with it being a, a range, I don't think anyone's going to know the answer. They are going to be guesses. So just tweet us on uh, no, at never on Twitter. You can email us, podcast at net, or we'll put the... Uh, post up on the for the preview show on the no name ever facebook page and i should mention as well it goes up on youtube as well so it does. Uh, if we get comments on youtube you could uh, reply on there as well we will uh, remember to check those it is um, and you're putting all of these on your burnley stats match database aren't you dave oh yes i was going to say that's one one of the extra bits of information i've uh, been putting on i've got um goal descriptions which is uh, coming along uh, but i'm also trying to get the uh, information on for which way we kicked which uh, might seem a little bit trivial in the scheme of things but it just adds to the uh, general information that's on there excellent um well we will reveal the answer to this quiz question at the start of the next preview show um but yeah, do send your guesses in. I'm uh, I'm, I'm quite interested. To see this. I'm going to ask Dave when we come off air, just because I won't be able to wait. Um, that is all we've got time for, listeners. Um, we have looked back at the fantastic victory against Wolves. We have previewed the Leeds game. We've looked at the Fantasy Premier League, and we've set a quiz question. Phew. Um, I'm going to start by thanking our usual uh, people. We thank George Brook from El Loco for his opposition view. Turf Moor Stadium. Turf Moor Stadium. Turf Moor Stadium announcer Dominic Walker for his specially recorded preview show announcements. To producer Matt for knitting all of this together and getting out there. To special guest making his preview show debut, Tom Whitaker. Um, but obviously to the main man himself, the headliner of the preview show, the Dave Statman Roberts for just working so hard in getting all of this content together and making it just very, very easy for us to put out um, a show. So thank you, Dave. Um, 
from all of us here at Team None and Ever, our best wishes for a happy Christmas. It isn't the Christmas we wanted. It isn't the Christmas that we all hoped for, but we're still having a Christmas. And I hope that as many of you as possible are able to see friends, family, surround yourselves with love. Please take care of yourselves. Please take care of your loved ones. There is an end in sight to this horrible, horrible year. And let's hope to goodness that in 2021, we will all see each other again at Turf Moor, cheering on the clarets and just being in the company of strangers who for 90 minutes are our immediate family. Um, get in touch if you've got any questions or answers or if anybody is, is feeling particularly low at this time of year or is struggling with the current lockdown restrictions, please do get in touch. The Known and Ever lines are always open and you'll always have a friendly ear with us. Um, Merry Christmas and we will see you at the next time. This has been the preview show brought to you by the Known and Ever podcast. Until next time. Away days are great, but there's nothing quite like playing at home. The same goes for McDonald's. Maximise your home ground advantage with McDelivery. Order now on the McDonald's app. At participating restaurants, 18 plus serving times, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. Hey, it's Danny Pellegrino from Everything Iconic. Ready to upgrade your style game without blowing your budget? Check out Quince. They've got all the good stuff, shirts and polos, activewear and fine leather goods, all at 50 to 80% less than other high-end brands. And the best part? They're all about safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get that luxury vibe without the luxury price tag. Hit up quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. That's quince.com slash upgrade. This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans.